Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome to the Politics Guys with your hosts, Dave Carson and Michael Darnowski. Welcome to the Politics Guys. I'm Michael Baranowski, a political scientist at Northern Kentucky University. My co-host this week, as always, is Cleveland Area Attorney and sometime Republican strategist Jay Carson. We're sponsored this week by the blog Can't Quit Food. You can quit a lot, but you can't quit food. Check it out at can'tquitfood.com. That's all one word, can't quit food, with no apostrophe. Jay, can you even have an apostrophe in a web address? I don't know that you can, really. Um, I don't know. I'm yeah, not that tech savvy really, to do that. I've never, never tried. Really tried. I'm, I'm kind of getting off point. Anyway, um, check it out and learn how one woman, who I actually happen to be married to, that's not a coincidence, uh, lost over 150 pounds and kept it off long-term by ditching diets in favor of a sustainable lifestyle change. And again, that's can't quit food. All right, well, it's been a slow week in politics, that is, uh, aside from the upcoming election, where things have heated up to an even more frenzied frenzy as Donald Trump continues to close the gap with Hillary Clinton. But even so, five of the six major poll aggregators say Trump still has no better than a 15% chance or so to win. Now, Nate Silver's 538.com is an outlier here, giving Trump a 35% chance of winning, which is still a lot less of a race than you might think from listening to the media, I think, much of which is saying that it's really kind of a down-to-the-wire nail-biter. Um, there's even some talk of an electoral college tie, which would be incredibly high drama. Uh, so, Jay, what, what do you think? What's the deal here? Is it uh, uh, closer than, than I'm saying it is, or is this just the media kind of working people up, or what? I, I think it's I think it's a lot of media hype. Uh, I think, yes, Trump has, has narrowed uh, the the race uh, in a number of places, number of states. Um, but as I, I I think we talked about this last week, I don't know that that narrowing. First of all, part of it's it's just symptomatic of this is what happens with polls when you get close to closer to the final day. Uh, there's sort of the undecided sort of jump into one camp or another, and and it it sort of gets closer. Uh, um, but. I, I don't see it being enough to to change the trajectory of things. Um, I think uh, uh, most of the other professional pollsters are are correct, and that look, this is what they do for a living. Uh, this is this is their job, and it's there's it's very sophisticated the people who do it right. Um, Trump has has a big electoral disadvantage, uh, and there's a lot of states that he really you know to, to win he has to run the table uh, in all these swing states. Uh, and that's that's going to be difficult to do. And again, I'm I'm sticking with my old school belief that uh, the ground game matters. And Trump has never really had a ground game, uh, and and uh, Hillary does. So my my sense is that that kind of thing, that getting the turnout, getting people to the polls, uh, uh, she's going to do better on that. And um, uh, she will she will carry the day. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you on that. A couple of things I wanted to uh, emphasize at least a little bit. Uh, we've talked about the importance of the ground game before, that kind of boring stuff that really can matter at the end. Also, early voting and absentee voting uh, seems to be favoring Clinton in a number of areas as well. And, you know, you mentioned polls. And, of course, there are a lot of polls that, that come out and everyone focuses on the latest poll, especially when it shows something exciting and different. But not all polls are created equal. Uh, it, you know, there are a lot of 
automated uh, online polls, that sort of thing. And there are a lot of them because they're cheaper and easier to do. But still, the, the gold standard for polling are real people, random dialing, landline, and cell phone numbers. There are a lot fewer of those polls because they are more expensive, but from all that we know, they tend to be uh, you know, more accurate. And so when you weigh that into effect and, and the fact that almost all the polls seem to be favoring Clinton, you know, I think it's, it's certainly possible that Donald Trump could win, but there would have to be a systematic bias in almost all of these polls that would break entirely in his his favor. So it's possible, but, you know, unlikely. I don't know if it's as, you know, as, as unlikely as uh, the Cubs coming back from three games to one to win the World Series or anything like that. But so it certainly could happen, but I, I tend to think it's probably not going to happen. Uh, you know, also, I wanted to mention one one thing that was, it seemed to me a couple of weeks ago, was sort of conventional, almost conventional wisdom with a lot of conservative pundits that, you know, the Clinton campaign had tons of really dirty opposition research stuff on Trump just waiting to go, and they were going to spring it if things got a little bit tighter. And it seems to me that if that was going to happen, that would have already happened by now, uh, and that didn't happen. And so I think a lot of that was just some sort of idle speculation that turned out not to be correct at all. Uh, you know, go ahead, Jay. Oh, I don't know. I, my, my guess is there's still plenty. There's plenty out there. Whether well, it's saving uh, it for after the election? No, no. Well, no, they're probably just figuring they don't they don't need it. So you, you think know, that the Clinton campaign is you, confident enough where they don't feel like if they have something, they need to throw it out there? Right. And I think to some extent you've you've. Sometimes with those kind of things, you reach an overkill sort of sort of situation where um, if if whatever the other revelations about Trump, if, if, if there were, assuming there's there's some other bad behavior, my sense is it would be more of the same um, in character and, and it would just be, uh, you know, cumulative. Uh, it would be, you know more rude comments, more, uh, you know, right. Not something issues yeah. more, not nothing, nothing that's going to surprise. Now there, there are all these hints that they sort of threw out there. And I think this is, was just silly. And, and I, I want to take a swipe at Hillary on this is that, you know, the, um, he is in league with the Russians and, and he is sort of, you know, in essence, a Russian mole. Um, right. Uh, I, it, it, again, I think that's, that's ludicrous. Um, and I think the, the idea, yeah, again, it, it's sort of funny that that we're coming back to like Democrats kind of red baiting, um, saying you know don't, um, uh, you know Trump is is sort of a Manchurian candidate of sorts. He's he's secretly in league with Putin. Um, yeah, I mean, I think they, maybe that was the the best that that they had. Um, so. Yeah, you know, you know, one other thing I wanted to point out is I saw an article just a couple days ago on the Huffington Post where they were really, really upset with Nate Silver because he uh, the Huffington Post a, a extremely reliable news source yeah. on a lot of these things. Well, they they give well, they give Hillary yeah, they give Hillary Clinton something like a ninety nine percent chance to win or yeah. something like that yeah. in their whistling past the graveyard model, whatever it is. I don't know, but. You know, what I think Nate Silver is pointing out that's really important is that there's a lot more uncertainty in this election. This isn't a normal election. There are a lot more voters going down to the wire who haven't really made up their minds, according to polls. And that's why I think he's being a lot more conservative than a lot of other, you know, than a lot of other pollsters. Uh, uh, from what the last I heard is that right about 
now, as we're recording this, over 10% of the electorate is still kind of undecided. And this was back in 2012, that number was around 3% at this point in time. So that's a huge difference. Yeah. And who are they going to break for? Well, we don't know, right? And I think that's what that that's what the, the 538 model is essentially saying. And so, yeah, I, I fully expect to, to wake up on, on, on Wednesday and see that Hillary Clinton has, you know, has become the next president. But, uh, you know... It, who knows? I mean, depending on how these things break. No, go ahead. No, the other piece I was going to add is, is turnout. Uh, that's something that's important. And so, so often people are saying that the Trump advantage is there's going to be he's going to bring out voters who didn't vote before, who don't vote usually. Um, I mean, I've seen just because of, of stuff I'm involved in here locally in Ohio. Um, Turnout looks to be about on par with what it was in 2012 so far. Yeah. Um, now, again, you, you you can't tell until the day. Um, but this is based on projections of, of how many early votes, you know, how many ballots requested, how many came back in. Um, it, it seems to be sort of on par with, with the usual um, uh, yeah. uh, presidential election turnout. So I don't see the, the wave. And again, this is a, an extremely small sample size and, and we're just extrapolating from that. Um, but I don't get the vibe that there is uh, this this wave of Trump voters who are coming to the polls who didn't bef yeah. before. And, and, and there uh, was going to be a turnout swamp that's going to change things. Yeah. And there wasn't a wave in, in registrations either that that was predicted. So I, I tend to agree with you on that. So speaking of uh, predictions, uh, you know, let's let's talk about how more specifically we think this is going to that to shake out. I think we both um, we, we both think that Hillary Clinton is going to win. And I, and I think she's going to win with uh, 319 electoral votes to 219 for Trump. I think Clinton ends up taking uh, the battleground states of Florida, North Carolina, Nevada, and New Hampshire. I, I'm the I'm least certain about North Carolina, but even if Trump takes North Carolina, Clinton still ends up uh, ends up winning the election. But that's that's my presidential prediction: 319 electoral votes for Clinton to 219 for Trump. Uh, what do you think, Jay? Um, I, I'll be honest. I have I haven't done the math. Yet I really wanted to before I before I came on the show, but I didn't. Uh, sort of adding up, you know, my my state by state calculus. Mm -hmm. uh, I think what you're saying sounds reasonable. Um, I don't think uh, uh, Trump wins Ohio. Um, really? Wow. Okay. Florida, I don't. Yeah, I, Florida, I, I, Florida, I don't know about. Interesting. I think Trump um, actually wins Ohio, but you but you think Clinton's going to take okay. Ohio? Okay. Well, I mean, I I, th I think Clinton, yeah, I think Clinton takes Ohio barely. Um, North Carolina, I think, uh, I think that's going to be a close one. Um, I, I don't know. I, 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 I would give Trump North Carolina. Hmm. Okay. Well, well, but, it, but that's still regardless. That's still not enough to get uh, get him where he needs to be. No, no. In that case, um, we, we're talking about a map that uh, a map that essentially gives Clinton three hundred twenty-two electoral votes to two hundred sixteen for Trump, uh, it, based on based on what you were saying. So, uh, with uh, with a Clinton win in Ohio, and I'm assuming you're saying a, a Clinton win in Florida, or do you think Trump's going to take Florida? 
I think I think Clinton wins Florida. Okay, well then then yeah, yeah, I think you're predicting a slightly bigger Clinton win than than yeah. I am. Yeah. So, uh, well, we, we will we will find out. I'm sure it'll be interesting uh, because I'm, a number of you listeners, sorry, will be hearing this after the election, and of course we'll talk about next week how accurate our predictions actually were, and so we'll see. So, uh, let's talk about the Senate a little bit. Uh, I think it's going to be a fifty-fifty okay. Senate. Uh, I think the Democrats are going to pick up the four seats they need to make it a 50-50 Senate in Illinois, New Hampshire, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. And I think they're going to just barely hold on to their seat in Nevada. That's that's up for grabs because Harry Reid's retiring. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the poll aggregators seem to think that a Democratic Senate is just about a little bit more likely than not. The probabilities go from the low 50s to around 91% from, here's a shocker, the Huffington Post. Um, and I think we can kind of almost dismiss them out of hand. But uh, but yeah, I think, I think it's going to be 50-50, which means that essentially the Democrats will control the Senate because if it, there are tie votes, the uh, vice president gets to, uh, gets to break that tie. So that's, of course, assuming a Clinton win as well. Right. But I also want to point out that just because the Democrats would control the Senate uh, technically doesn't mean that they can actually get any of their legislative agenda through because, of course, in order to control the Senate in reality, you need 60 votes to stop a Senate filibuster, and neither party is going to have that. And, you know, well, I'll get to that in a minute, but what, what are your predictions for the Senate, Jay? I, I think uh, Republicans hold on and uh, hold New Hampshire. Hmm. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb on that. Okay. Um, it's going to be tight. Which, which would, uh, make it a, uh, uh, a Republican, uh, majority by one, by one seat. Um, I'm, you know, in Nevada, I, I, too close to call for me. Um, uh, but, uh, I, I think, uh, they, we hold in Florida and we hold, uh, uh Arizona and Ohio. Um, there, there's, I'm trying to think there are there are, I'm not going to go through every every one but um so 5149 I, I, I would I think there might be a, a barely um Republican uh, Republican Senate hold okay which I'll, is which is I'll tell you I wouldn't have said this I wouldn't have said that six months ago right it, it it seemed you would have guessed the Democrats would have would have uh, had what 50 right. 51 something like that yeah so well we will right. find but I, I think what 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 I what I'm what I've seen and and what i think is happening is i think there is a break away from there are republicans who uh will either not vote for trump or might vote for hillary uh but will still vote for a republican senator yeah in, in their race yeah I, I, they, they'll split their ticket and that seems weird and illogical but i i think that's happening you may be right yeah absolutely you know i think though no matter and i wanted to get back to this no matter who wins they are going to have a real hard time governing. There are already Republicans talking about impeachment proceedings against Hillary Clinton. That investigation of the emails is not going away. And, of course, the FBI won't have their, the, the findings of that latest email trove uh, before the election. But either way, there are going to be huge uh, investigations in the House. And I would not be surprised at all to see an impeachment vote at some point in, that, in what's going to be certainly a Republican-controlled House. Uh, and uh, because of the fact that neither party is going to have a, a working majority in both chambers, I think we're going to see gridlock that's even worse than what we've seen under Obama, because I think the level of hatred, and that's what it is, hatred of both of these candidates, whoever wins, is so high that I, I think if you think we've seen dysfunctional gut and gridlock government now, 
just wait. And I think whoever wins this election is going to be a one-term president. It's going to be a disastrous time because the other side is just going to dig in their heels even more. And it's just going to be ugly, I think. Would you agree, Jay? I, I think so. I think, you know, sometimes you get into a, a weird uh, game theory type stuff when you're talking about how many seats each each party controls. And and there's sort of a, a sweet spot for having majority. If you have too big of a majority, what happens is you get defectors. Mm-hmm. You get the sort of dissension in your own ranks. And we saw this sort of with the House Republicans uh, in the last term. Um, if it's If it's really tight, there is that sense of you know, you hold you hold everybody together, um, and, and I think you're right. There's there, neither party is going to have that kind of sweet spot kind of majority uh, where you've got enough to govern, but enough to hold your party together. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, there's there's still the other thing. If it's if it's so close in the Senate and you just need to peel away um, one or two uh, 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 members right. to get something done, I think that advantage then goes to the president, who's able to. Uh, offer things to those those members who you want to peel away, sure. either either threaten or uh, uh, or promise. Um, so, yeah, and just in terms of the game theory stuff, I, yeah, there, there's going to be gridlock, um, uh, but uh, I think that's that was to be expected, uh, no matter what. It's it's uh, it's going to reflect where we are, and and there 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 might be issues that the folks can agree on, but the big ones are are going to be. Stuck in the mud. Yeah, definitely. You know, we talked a little bit about uh, the FBI. I wanted to focus on that a little bit more. Of course, the conventional wisdom is that Hillary Clinton was essentially cruising along until just over uh, a week ago now when FBI Director Comey sent that letter to the congressional committees letting them know that the new emails related to the Clinton server uh, were, were found and might be relevant. But, you know, the truth of the matter is that Clinton was sliding or Actually, Trump was corralling those reluctant Republicans before that happened. But but still, this was not a good development for Clinton. And uh, uh, in the last week, uh, retiring Senate Minority Leader Harry Reid went so far as to accuse Comey of violating federal law, the, the Hatch Act to be specific, by sending out this letter by while at the same time not pushing an investigation into Trump's potential ties to the Russian government. And President Obama even joined in. Now, he didn't actually accuse Comey of a crime, but he made it clear that he felt the FBI director was wrong in doing what he did. And now, of course, there are a number of congressional Republicans who are just chomping at the bit to look into this even more, regardless of whether Clinton wins or not. So what do you make of all this? Do you think that uh, the FBI director violated the law, that he's kind of putting his thumb on the scales, as a lot of Democrats are saying? No, of, of course not. I mean, the, the, the Hatch Act... Uh, prohibits folks from federal employees from uh, actively campaigning uh, for federal candidates. Um, the idea, of course, being that you can't just have your own army of, uh, of, of you know, federal bureaucrats on the federal payroll working for you um, in your in your campaign um, operation. Uh, so, no, I mean, he's he's doing his job. There's an investigation. He's notifying Congress of the investigation. Um you know, this is the same James Comey who was heralded as a as a great public servant several months ago, uh, and conscientious, and and you know, you know, cleared her of all wrongdoing, and they, at least that was the the line she was using. Um, so no, I, and I think it's it, it speaks to a little bit of the the character of the Clintons and Harry Reid uh, that that that's that's the attack. It's always the uh, you know whenever someone brings this up, uh, attack the accuser. Um, 
and it's a shame. I, I think uh, Comey uh, did what, what he's supposed to do. Um, and, uh, you know, the investigation will proceed as it ought to and, uh, uh, you know, see where it leads. Yeah. Well, you know, I think it was a, I think it was a tough call. And uh, I think reasonable people can disagree about whether he should have put that, uh, sent out that letter. But what what really disturbs me, and we're seeing this more and more, is when your opponent does something like that or somebody does something like that, you don't just disagree with them. You say that they're a criminal. Right. I, that to me is is, yeah. is is a real breakdown in in things that we didn't see even a few years ago, and it, it bothers me a lot. Of course, we see it from Trump all the time. That whole chant of "lock her up" and "I'll put you in jail," right. which is and, and now Democrats are doing it, and it's just it's it's just disgusting and disappointing. And I was uh, well, it's been going on for for a while though. Yeah. Too, this isn't something. You know, the, the Scooter Liberty prosecution. Um, which you know essentially came down to uh, uh, what one what one person recalled someone saying versus what another person recalled someone saying. Right. Uh, and one of the key witnesses was dead. So, you know, it, this that that the the criminalization of the politics. Oh, and and even worse, I would say, is the uh, well the Tom Delay prosecution, uh, the uh, Stevens prosecution in Alaska, which was thrown out by a a, a, a Clinton appointed judge. Um, we should really talk about those. There's a there's a really good book about that that is is chilling. And I was at a panel where the we had the people from both sides discuss it. Uh, and again, it was it was sort of terrifying, um, uh, the the government's position. Um, but uh, set that aside, no, I think I think we ought to take a step back from the criminalization of politics. But let's also remember if if there's if there's something going on and, yeah. and in the Clinton investigation this you you've got a situation where there are all these emails out there an unsecured server uh, we have evidence uh, in fact that they're putting out there that you know we're we're being hacked we're being continuously hacked um, it's it's you know the FBI is obligated to investigate these things sure and absolutely. I think there's a difference between the FBI investigating something and and, and the accusations of you're breaking the law and we're going to, you know, put you in jail. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're basically we've we've put decided for politics. Yeah, we've decided you're guilty. We just need to figure out what you're guilty of, basically. But you need to be in yeah. jail. And that's yeah, that's way too far. All right. Um, moving on, you know, actually, there have there actually was some non-election news this week. Hard to believe. Uh, uh, most of, mo- of course, most non-election politics kind of shuts down, but you can't stop the jobs report. And the October jobs report came out this last week, and it looked, well, it looked pretty good. Uh, around 161,000 jobs were added. The unemployment rate went down to 4.9%. And most impressively, at least from my point of view, there was a 2.8% rise in hourly earnings over this time last year, and that's the biggest jump in over seven years. Now, not surprisingly, Donald Trump called the report disastrous because as far as I can tell, ever since Hillary Clinton got her law degree back in 1973, the country has been on the verge of utter ruin. Uh, what do you think about the jobs report, Jay? First off, I guess, is it good news? And second, do you see it having any effect on the election? Uh, I'll take the second question first. I'll say okay. no, it doesn't have any effect. And, and to the extent uh, those considerations are out there, I mean, they're already baked in. They're, a last-minute jobs report isn't going to change anyone's uh, opinion. I'm always skeptical on jobs reports anyway because we release them and then we go and amend them a couple months later sure. and say, oh, no, that wasn't that wasn't right at all. Um, also, so I, I'd point out 
uh, you you view it as, as being a really good report. I view it as being a meh kind of report. Uh, I think as did Wall Street. Uh, the, it missed you know expectations. Uh, it, it came in lower than than what uh, had been hoped, and Wall Street sort of took a little bit of a tumble, um, based partially I think partially on the jobs report, partially just on the you know there was sort of a Trump ascendancy going on at that same same period, and just questions of of uh, uncertainty. Um, but no, I I don't think it I don't think it fundamentally changes anything um, uh, for either candidate. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think you're right that it's it's certainly the numbers aren't what we would like them to be. But I think if you look at overall trends, things are you know kind of continuing on in a decent way. But of course, that like like I agree with you that that's not going to make any difference. Pretty much. Uh, you know, Trump voters have decided that the the economy is in the tank, and for a lot of them, you know, it is. And of course, the well, overall- it is, and it, it's it's true. I mean, I think that's that's the the reality of this is, uh, for some people, the economy is is great, getting better. For others, it's it's not, and it's not getting better. And and those are sort of you know bigger bigger pieces, bigger features, and they're not going to turn around. Uh, uh, quarter to quarter based on a jobs report or month to month on a jobs report. No, no, not at all. And I think a lot of people are, you know, are looking for the sort of growth that we, that we saw in, in, you know, the, the, the 1990s when uh, Clinton was president, though I don't know that there's much of a connection there. And I, and I think that that's, that's uh, not going to happen for a lot of reasons. We're actually going to, uh, uh, we actually are having a uh, a guest on this show. I'm interviewing a guy in the not too distant future uh, who has a lot to say on this. A guy named uh, Martin Ford, who has an interesting book on how technology is changing things and how we're all going to be replaced by robots. It's really kind of a depressing book, but really fascinating. It's called Rise not of the Robots. Me, but... Well, yeah, uh, yeah, I think we might be replaced. I don't know. Certainly, no. Of course, we're, we're fairly invaluable. But uh, anyway, I, I'm really looking forward to that and. The, the point here, that, though, is that if, if you're looking for that kind of growth, that kind of wage growth, that kind of uh, employment growth and meaningful jobs, I don't think we're going to see it. I think the world is a very different place, and, and I think that politicians on both sides uh, – but more especially Donald Trump are are not are not willing to face that fact because it's uh, electorally a very uh, uncomfortable, difficult fact to face, and that's that's too bad. But that's just politics. All right, uh, let's move on to listener mail. Uh, our first. Uh, All right, what we got? Well, first we have Dave from San Francisco. Dave says. Hi, politics guys. I really enjoy the sensible conversation. It's easy to lose hope for humanity looking at differing opinions in the comments sections of public posts on social media. Oh, God, oh, yeah. Do never, never read that yeah, stuff. Yeah, That's yeah. Cool. yeah I, I agree. Um, he says, like many, I gravitate toward opinions and news sources that reinforce my worldview. I begin to think the other side is stupid, all the while saying America is great for affording us all to have the freedom to have our own opinions. You guys give me hope. I love the respectful and intelligent discourse. Oh, thank you, Dave. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Uh, next, we have Ken from Phoenix, Arizona, who writes, Thank you for delivering such high-quality content. One of my ongoing worries about the future of our democracy is what I see as an increased twisting of the facts by both sides to achieve political objectives. Of course, this type of behavior has gone on since the beginning of the republic, but it seems exacerbated in recent times. The clickbait Fake, fake news constantly shared on social media and the proliferation of marginal news organizations, which seem to be in the business of conspiracy theories rather than journalism, is contributing greatly to the spread of disinformation. 
You guys are pushing back and I appreciate it. I hope your audience will grow and continue to support what I see as a very worthwhile endeavor. All right. And yeah. Amen. Thank yeah, we, you. We, and, we, and certainly, we, will, we will try to be worthy of, of that praise. Yeah. So. Absolutely. And so if you have a comment, question, or a correction for us, you think we got something wrong, uh, not that it ever happens, um, send us an email at mail at politicsguys.com or you can message us on the Facebook Politics Guys page. And while we won't read every email on the air or message, we most definitely will personally respond to every listener email and Facebook message that we get. All right. Um, you know, it's been kind of a short show today, but, uh, you know, again, because we've uh, I think we've covered most of the election ground that we can cover. And now it's just waiting to waiting for the results to come in. But before we go today, I'd like to close the show with a reminder. It's easy to get caught up in the drama of an election, especially an election like this. And I think it's also really easy to become stressed out, burned out and, and downright depressed by what can sometimes seem like well, the bitter, nasty farce of American democracy. But I'd like to urge everyone to remember that it's in the media's interest to encourage these fears. And I honestly believe that no matter who wins, things will not be as bad as the losing side thinks they'll be. So if you're really anxious about the election, I hope you'll relax, take a breath, and remember that the American system of government was specifically designed to make it really hard for anyone to do a whole bunch of crazy stuff. And whether it's President Clinton or President Trump, the next occupant of the, of the White House will certainly be a deeply frustrated person. And that's exactly how the framers of the Constitution wanted it. Jay? I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Amen. So, you know, uh, take a breath and don't worry. At least not so much. All right. Well, that's it for this week's episode. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you have any thoughts, comments, criticisms, or questions for Ask the Politics Guys, we would love to hear from you. Our email is mail at politicsguys.com. And you can also leave a voice message for us by calling our listener line at 408-840-3518. Our Facebook page where we post stuff throughout the week is facebook.com slash politicsguys page. And we're also on Twitter at politicsguys. If you're interested in helping us keep the show going, sharing and retweeting our new show posts and tweets and reviewing the show on iTunes really does help. And finally, if you'd like to support the show financially, you can do that through the PayPal or Patreon links on our website. While you're there, please be sure to check out our listener awards. The Politics Guys will be back next Sunday with our big post-election analysis, and we hope you'll join us.